0: Hello, and welcome back to the Suffolk Park Gallery's podcast, a place where we delve deeper into the practice of artists in our program through conversations, interviews, and readings. For those of you that have listened to episode one of Lockdown Elevenses with Fanny Peralli, and episode two with Rebecca Lennon, you will know that in this series, we catch up with the brilliant artists in our upcoming program and ask them a bunch of questions to find out how they are making work. Keeping their heads during these weird, woody times, and so you can find out a bit more about them. So prepare yourself some elevenses, sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Elevenses. I'm your host John Harris and in today's episode I'm delighted to be joined by Canada Power Williams. an artist living and working in London. She creates installations which play with the relationship between sculpture, live performance and animation. explore a web of connections between storytelling, action, belief and symbolism. Canada creates sculptural landscapes that are a response to researching the slippage that occurs to the meaning of historical artifacts over time, aiming to confront our relationship to memory and storytelling. Canada studied at the Slade School of Fine Art and completed her postgraduate studies at the Royal College of Art in 2011. She was awarded the Mother Art Prize in 2018 and was the recipient of the Sainsbury Scholarship in Painting and Sculpture at the British School of Rome between October 2012 and September 2013. Her recent exhibitions and performances include The Gates of Apophenia at and Command Lines at Void Gallery in Derry, Northern Ireland, Mother Art Prize Group Show at Mimosa House, and Lestness Steel Quorum, a performance for Saturday's live programme at Serpentine Gallery. Canada is represented by Bosun Barn. It's lovely to welcome you, Canada. Thank Hi, you for thank you. So I really enjoyed attending your virtual studio visit arranged by Bosun Barn the other week. So I know you've been able to get to the studio, but have you been able to continue making during lockdown? If so, um, how are you finding it and what are you working on currently?
1: Yeah, thanks for coming to that. Uh, yeah, so basically I work from home anyway. I'm really really lucky I have a studio at home. I do have very young children under 5. So, um and th- but then they're always at home. <laughs> so, um in many ways my kind of day-to-day hasn't changed that much. And my partner is a doctor, so he still goes to work. We do have a little bit of childcare because he's a doctor, so I get about 2 days a week in the studio. Well, I lost a really big sort of direction to the year because some things got cancelled, but it has meant that I've had time to um, do things that I wasn't expecting. So I've been doing lots of small scale work, drawings, um, a text piece and researching. And all my f- kind of focus, because everything's been cancelled, has shifted to Southwark Park Gallery show. So, but, but like I said, I've been doing things that I wouldn't necessarily normally have do so I've been focusing quite a lot on some bells that I I'd started last year I'd made my first sound piece with them and I've been making more thinking a lot more about making my work not just sort of documented into the digital but like really focusing on work that can exist entirely there and um the other thing that I've been doing which I would never have done obviously without this situation is making um I made this ceramic covid mask it was sort of for my partner being a doctor it's not like a surgical mask like all the ones that people are wearing it's um it's a particular matter one the sort of thing that you'd wear in a studio to protect you from dust but which at the very beginning of covid people were wearing on the tube occasionally and everyone was like this is so over the top but then as time unfolded we started to realize the sort of threat that we were under um so i made him Um, my partner, this ceramic version of it. And whilst I was doing it, I've also been looking at labyrinths, They're like spaces that you can walk through, but which look like mazes, but you can see the whole perspective of it from bird's eye. So it's, you don't get lost in it, but you kind of follow it for meditation and contemplation. And then you can kind of make these small versions, or I've been making these small versions that you can follow with your finger, which is sort of about having this time and space for meditating and thinking. And instead of the filters that you'd normally have on the sides of those particular matter um, masks, I've put these little labyrinths. So I'm really like kind of concerned there's this relationship, this this real focus on the kind of mechanical functions of the body and that being under threat, but that also there's this massive mental health issue, particularly from people that have gone through awful experiences during this time and also for all the doctors obviously my husband and and all of his colleagues. So, yeah, I was rethinking about that. And then I I think the mask, I'm going to photograph it on a bed of um, plane tree bark because when I first started talking to Judith, the director of Southwark Park Galleries, about the show there, she told me about the plane trees in London and how they'd been planted to cleanse the air of pollution. And that Ada Salter, for whom there's a memorial at Southwark Park, um, was the one who instigated this planting. And um, I'm really interested in trees anyway, and my brother's a gardener. And um, COVID is apparently made worse by pollution. So that was this link. And then in the last couple of weeks, with the um, awful uh, murder of George Floyd, the uh, mask has become a symbol of that as well. So the mask feels like it's just sort of everything right now. So yeah, that's sort of, that's kind of what I've been thinking about and doing in a practical sense in the studio. <laughs>
0: So, do you have any specific working ritual methods or routines in the studio at all? And have they changed slightly, or just kept? The
1: well, same? I really want to have a routine. I've wanted to have a routine for like six years, but because my partner does <laughs> antisocial shift work patterns, and you know, obviously, I'm responsible for a lot of the childcare because of that, um, I just can't get into any form of routine and or daily structure or anything but I did I sort of thought that maybe actually the answer is that the things that I do do all the time are I keep a sketchbook and I draw constantly and I try to map out my ideas on paper and then I'm really analog I think maybe I'm a bit of a troglodyte I don't want to be but I'm really <laughs> analog I do it all like you know I print off pictures of things that I'm looking at and I have a wall in my studio which is like a, kind of like a explosion of my brain with loads of stuff everywhere and i'm like making links and taking things down and putting new things up so that's probably the consistent sort of ritual and routine that i have like you probably know a little bit from talking to me last week that the um my work has been about ritual a lot and esoteric thinking so i am really interested in sort of daily practices but i actually don't participate in them massively i do a lot of tarot readings for other people and i'm really interested in it and i read my own sometimes but it's not like a practice that i can claim in the studio every day um but yeah i'm very analog
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think it's quite funny because all of us at work we keep books like notebooks full of lists we love written yeah
1: maybe it's our generation (laughs) because actually whenever i meet um with my gallery Uh, with Alex and Lana they also keep lists and I always find that really interesting that they write everything down rather than just type.
0: So kind of following on from that this is this is always a hard question to answer but it's also why it's one of my favourite to ask but um, who is the person in your life who has had the most influence on you as an artist?
1: (laughs) Oh it's so hard this. I think, like you know like I was saying that my brain kind of explodes on the wall of the studio with all these ideas I was like it's sort of the same with your yeah. relationships with people in terms of like it's this big web and everybody sort of plays a different role and you know there isn't any one person that's significant but then I was sort of thinking obviously my web of friends who've been really supportive but If I really went back to kind of life-changing moments or life-changing relationships, I think there was a teacher at school and she taught me design tech rather than art. But She was so encouraging about me just making stuff. And she really taught me how to focus on problem solving in a unique way, like to, to really focus on my own way of doing things, like my own personal methodology, which actually was really different from the rest of my education which was very um, methodical and um, formulaic and um, she also made it clear to me that women could do anything on any scale and in any material and that facts and figures weren't necessarily the most important thing to me so her and then I think the other thing to mention (laughs) really is that I've been with my husband since first year of university so he's like, I mean, it's a bit sickly, isn't it? He'll probably kill me for mentioning this. But <laughs> like, really, you know, if there's one person that's encouraged me and stretched me and made me think about the world, it's him. And, um, you know, that shouldn't really be undervalued, I suppose, because he's not in the art world. So he really does challenge my kind of you know the navel gazing that sometimes we can get involved in
0: <laughs> no definitely my partner who's a teacher yeah. not in the art world, does exactly the yeah. same so it's it's like no that doesn't make sense to be yeah written. Yes, yes
1: the jargon <laughs> thing is a big, a big issue yeah yeah
0: um so following on from that which other artists do you have the most respect for and why?
1: So, I mean, I just can't say one. Like, really, I tried really <laughs> hard to, like, test myself. But actually, I think in the end, I thought there's a sort of group of women artists who aren't um, are historically a group, but they are the ones that I've sort of turned to, particularly in the last six years, who I constantly return to as well. And um, they're Maruja Mallow, Leonora Fini. Betty Sa, Yayo Kusama, and Nikita Sanfal. And I think these women as a collection for me are, I mean, you like the word respect is really there. Like they've, their individual works have had such a massive influence on me, but and really spoken to me. And I really respect the way that they've made work at times when it might have seemed impossible. And they really, they confront me and make me think about what it is to be a body in the world. And particularly all of them have this particular interest in the relationship between mind and matter and history and belief and hope. And like the specificity of the body that you can never sort of generalize about a body or figure and that we're all individuals, but in this relationship with each other on the earth. And that's always, they they constantly remind me of that and um, in quite moving ways with their work. So um, yeah, them really.
0: (laughs) so um because of course of lockdown we've experienced lots of new sort of digital ways of viewing work but could you tell us an artwork or exhibition that has had a significant effect on you i would say recent but like we've been locked yeah. down now for ages so it's not really very recent <laughs> yeah I mean, the
1: last time i saw some art really was um like beginning of march but um and actually, like i when I was thinking about how to answer this I what, really my default was to go back to some stuff from last year, and I was thinking about like the, the Laura Provost at Venice Biennale and then later the Shana Moulton um exhibition, which was really resonated with me because it's to do with anxiety and esoteric practices but then because basically before lockdown, luckily in some ways, I d- urgently went about doing a bit of research for new projects and I spent a lot of time in museums and looking at follies and um, so I wasn't really looking at art so much. But I went to, I'm constantly obsessed with this Milfleur tapestries. There's some in um, Paris, which I had hoped to go and visit again this year, but obviously that's not going to happen. But the next best thing was to think about how they've affected art history. And I went to the, I live in Walthamstow and I went to the William Morris Museum. To see uh, how he 'd approached midflowur, which is uh, means a thousand flowers and it 's basically this flora and fauna background to tapestries um, from the middle ages, but then obviously William Morris used some ideas from that, so I went to see that and by chance, I came across the Gehinde Wiley exhibition, the yellow wallpaper, and it was so powerful, um, especially because i wasn 't expecting it and there, there I think it was six portraits of black women in a back, uh, that he found in. He met them in Dalston, and they're all on this, what seems like very typical William Morris um, floral background, which is obviously what I was looking for when I went there. And mm-hmm. they're, like, bright and powerful, and there's links to ideas about female hysteria and denying women independence and, like, trying to, trying to give women this sort of space to be these powerful independent beings. And um, so, yeah, that really struck me. It felt really important then, and then, obviously, everything that's taking place at the moment... It feels like it, it I'm, I think it's being, I think when we reopen, when things reopen, that that show will still be on. Um, I think they've extended it. So, But yeah, I mean, actually, like you say, like lived, like experiencing art in the real, but I would just say that I think the Camden Art Centre Botanical Mind exhibition online is really great. Yeah, they've really, like, converted really good. So, it's so well online and it's something, because I don't get to see a lot of stuff, I, I mostly take my family to things that they're going to enjoy. I don't get to see everything. And um <laughs> I would I would never have had the time to spend with that exhibition if I'd just seen it in person. So um and it feels really significant because obviously it's overturning entrenched views about humans being separate from the natural world. So yeah, I think that's actually really important, even though it's not in real life yet.
0: <laughs> so um I'm going to recommend for everyone to go listen to Candice Jacobs' oh, yeah. podcast that you're a guest on released um throughout Candice's exhibition the wellness formula at five years gallery but i wonder if you could recommend us some other digital content um even though you've mentioned since uh before but is there any yeah about-
1: actually i can't talk enough about <laughs> the getty uh recording artist series i don't know actually when they released it but i've put it on my instagram a few weeks ago or well, no actually like sometime near the beginning of lockdown i think Um, I listened to all of the episodes like back to back. It was so, it's so good. Um, It's, I think it's about radical women artists centered around uh, these interviews that Cindy uh, Nemza and Barbara Rose did in the 70s and 60s and 70s with the artists. So it's centered around like this kind of idea of a um, primary source because it's the artists talking themselves. And the podcast takes you on a journey, which is really, really focused about the relevance of their work in the kind of wider history of art. So it's not just their biography, which I think often is the case when you, when we talk about women artists, it's, although that obviously comes into it, it's so focused on the relevance of their work in the bigger picture and it's so brilliantly researched and structured. So I really recommend that. Um, and then I really loved, I just love hearing artists talk about their work. So I've listened to like everything that I can and I'm loving the fact that there's so much because like I said I always work from home anyway I'm quite isolated um, even in good times but and I think probably artists talk about this all the time but in our time the um the uh, series in our time is just so good if you just want a break from all of the art world or politics well I mean they talk about politics but there's just so much on there like the other day I was looking at Doggerland which is the area of land submerged in the north sea between the east coast of england and denmark and it was inhabited before the i can't even remember the dates now like 600 bc or something um and i was like oh i wonder if there's an episode on in our time and yes there was <laughs> all about Doggerland. <laughs> um so it's so good to listen to that yeah those two
0: <laughs> so you mentioned sort of before about lockdown enabling you to kind of do some things that you've been meaning to do but um what has
1: so other than the small or the smaller scale works that i'm making in the covid mask that i mentioned um i was so lucky that i i um got a kiln just before lockdown i literally was installed on the sort of last day before social distancing came in and that has been really <laughs> transformative for me because my i i was renting like a, a kiln space and because of that and because of time pressure i never really got to experiment with glazes or i was too scared or like it's such an investment in time and you know, things go wrong and anyway so i've been doing a lot of experimenting with glazes and trying to figure out a way a kind of vocabulary or like bring it bring glazes and those ceramics works closer to my other works in terms of their aesthetic so them um, and i've also been so In the last sort of six seven years I've been making animations that are uh, documentation of performances so they always come after a performance but I've been I got the emergency um, funding from the Arts Council and I've been uh, working kind of backwards so I got a more advanced piece of animation software and I've been making the animations first and these are sort of the um, beginnings of the work that will go into Southwark Park galleries and alongside them, I've been doing some writing, which, I mean, I've I've also written quite a lot, like, vignettes, kind of extended titles or little thoughts that go alongside the animations that I've made in the last few years, but I've never written them first. So I've really been pushing myself to see if this is something I can do or, like, if it's really rubbish. I don't know. I was, like, to, I was kind of debating whether or not I should read a little bit out now, like a tiny little... Oh, It's <laughs> yes, just going to be like a really small section. Yes. It's a very long extended piece of writing and this tiny bit is yeah. about, um, it's, it sort of comes under the title uh, Nose Chamber. So like literally your bodily nose chamber. Um, okay, so it's really short. I stop and stand in reeds of spider grass that trap and seize the flood of whiffs which stream towards the hollow cavity. Vibrating in the empty air, I sniff the pungent odour of ammonia rising back from ancient times when we brought and gorged on crates of brackish water mollusks, thwarting glorious coats of narka by discarding crusty shells to leave behind a brutal bed of blunt and rusty hues. So it's quite kind of poetic and sort of nonsensical. It's like a stream of thought, although it's very structured and thought out. <laughs> and yeah, I, don't, I have no idea if I'll ever regret reading that out but (laughs) it's good to be
0: brave (laughs) sometimes no no, definitely no regret yeah definitely not it's great to read stuff out
1: it's quite good Uh, to like um, it's a kind of way to think things through and to like put it out into the world in some way is actually um like obviously i'm not sure if i'll ever if i'm not sure in what form these this text will take Later on, but it is the sort of springboard of the project, so it's quite nice to share it at this point as well.
0: So, I guess now's probably a good time to talk about your upcoming show at South Park Galleries. But can you describe your vision for the exhibition and what sort of experience we could look for? Well,
1: my show (laughs) isn't going to open until I think (laughs) currently we're hoping for autumn 2021, so a year and a half-ish away Um, and because of that and because of things that I've got cancelled that I'm sort of shifting into this project I think it will change a lot in that time so it's hard to like paint a picture as such but so I thought maybe I'd just tell you a little bit about the research that I'm doing and and the sort of ideas that are coming into it so um, I mentioned before labyrinths and plane trees and I was talking to um, Judith the director um, when we first started talking about making a work for the galleries I was really excited by the fact that there's this deconsecrated de- consecrated church and it's in a cultivated green space and that really resonates with a lot of the stuff that I'd been looking at with my tarot project. Um, so my kind of initial thought was to focus on architecture in the, land- in the landscape particularly follies or spaces which are not for a purpose and in- as such although the church obviously is now a gallery so it has a purpose but that's my area of interest um and i'm sort of thinking about how follies and statues often mediate a journey through the sort of idealistic english landscape and it gets peppered with sort of monuments and memory and imagination and history of desire to rationalize and control and how um that because follies have no function they're just these symbolic often quite poetic Um, structures which animate the border between cultivation and a sort of notion of wilderness and often they take the form of a temple um, which is a space for reflection and meditation and I'm really interested in how the sort of body can or people can walk through gardens and these spaces and have a sort of experience of both the material world and also conscious experience about the world of ideas and that the fully kind of offers a construct for that. So that was the sort of starting point. And then, um, oh, and, I, and also there's this like really loaded history with the classical design of them and an issue over what history they represent, which I'm thinking through, particularly in relationship to memory and trauma and sort of notions of the sublime. So that was the sort of starting point. And then, I, and I imagine that the, the exhibition will be this sort of immersive journey through objects and sound and animation, maybe performance. But the structure is, the details of the structures are coming from this particular specific story of a forgotten Gallo-Roman water goddess called Sununa, who was recently discovered in my mother-in-law's village in Hertfordshire in the early 2000s. But she was so significant that in her heyday, she was attracting pilgrims from mainland Europe. So um, and my when my mother in law was telling me about it, she was saying that she felt that the presence of Sununa was why her house was so special. And it's this phrase, this idea that an object in a landscape can resonate and have a memory that we don't we never actually experience, that's not personal, but somehow feels personal and goes deeper. And um I was also reading Uh, J.G. Ballard's novel Drowned World which explores this idea of genetic memory and this takes place in the space of dreams so this is like dreams and memory and then when I was researching it there's actually compelling evidence that we do pass down memory through imprints on the genome and so for the sort of first time I'm really going into that kind of biological side also with the text being quite intuitive then I was also been thinking about consciousness and how that's a construct between like the brains both experiencing and Sort of real life and then perception based on predictions which is an intelligence we've built up over millennia. So it's like kind of lots of all this stuff coming together and um, in these texts and then the, I expect the experience of the show will be weaving together these bodily encounters with architecture and spaces and objects, the role of water in the past, present and future of Britain and the sort of nature of consciousness. So yeah, that's sort of it. I can't really describe the physicality of it yet, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully that no. makes
0: sense. <laughs> yeah, completely. But I guess like before we go, do you have a lockdown playlist? And
1: um, yeah, I I can't recommend one playlist, but I can recommend um, "Chances for Wolves," yeah. which is uh, a program on a New York radio station called East Village Radio, and I've been listening to it for a few years. There's something like 400 episodes. I think you can get it on SoundCloud or you can just go directly to their website. It is insane. Every episode is different. Sometimes it's completely bonkers. Like it will be a whole episode of just covers of one song and then others is just really magical, really huge range of music. And so, yeah, really recommend that. It's great for working too.
0: That's amazing. Well, thanks so much for um, sharing your insights and this, and it's been really good to chat to you and, we look forward to your show. <laughs> Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you for joining us for Lockdown Elevens. You can find us on our website, SuffolkParkGalleries.org, Instagram and Facebook at Suffolk Park Galleries, and on Twitter at park underscore galleries. As you might be aware at present, our programme is on hold but we're still working hard preparing for when we can reopen and share with you our full programme. Once we see you back in the park, we want to keep our activities free to everyone, but to do this, we still need your support to present our programme of exhibitions, events, learning activities and future podcasts. To find out ways you can help, including one-off donations, please go to southwarkparkgalleries.org forward slash support. Thank you for listening, take care and we'll be back very soon.